new phase has begun in the Israel-Gaza war. Israel's military is now advancing into southern Gaza. Dozens of armored vehicles are about a mile out from Khan Yunus, the largest city in the south. That's according to satellite imagery. And wounded Palestinians are flooding into overcrowded hospitals in southern Gaza. Since the war began, according to the Gaza Health Ministry, at least 15,000 people have been killed in Gaza. At least 1,200 people were killed in Israel during the October 7th attack by Hamas. But while Hamas is fighting Israel, the United States and Arab nations are also preoccupied with another question. Who is going to lead Gaza after? That question of what happens the day after and what happens the day after the day after, what happens the day after is who runs Gaza? Michael Birnbaum covers the State Department for The Post. He traveled to the Middle East last week with Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who's been posing this question a lot. Who comes in, who helps the beleaguered and besieged residents of Gaza rebuild their territory, who helps them get the lights back on, who helps them with basic needs, such as, you know, ensuring that there isn't theft, ensuring that they can go to the doctor and, you know, the the basic fundamentals. Michael says that the United States doesn't want Hamas to return to power. Instead, U.S. officials are hoping for the Palestinian Authority to take over. The PA governs the West Bank, but they're also controversial. It's seen as corrupt. Um, It's seen as having a lot of trouble administering the West Bank. It's not a particularly effective group. It's seen even as having trouble administering Ramallah, the, the, the capital of the West Bank, which is where they have their headquarters. So that's just a city, you know, and they are pretty well discredited among Palestinians. So this all boils down to one question. Who runs Gaza next? From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm your guest host, Allison Michaels. It's Tuesday, December 5th. Today, Martine Powers is back with reporter Michael Birnbaum. They're talking about this question of Gaza's leadership and all the complicating factors for its future. Here's Martine. So obviously, the U.S. has a great interest in what's happening in Gaza right now, and are trying. they're trying to, or Blinken is trying to influence different parts of this conflict. But you've been looking particularly at this question of what Palestinian leadership and governance looks like going forward. And I'm wondering why that has started to bubble up right now. Well, what Blinken, what the Americans are saying is that they really need to have a fairly concrete plan in mind or a structure in mind for the future. There's a big question about what happens. Uh, Blinken calls it what happens the day after and then what happens the day after the day after. And at some point, the Israelis are going to stop bombing Gaza. They're going to say, uh, theoretically at least, you know, we have uh, achieved our strategic goals, which they say they don't want Hamas ever to be able to attack them again. They say they want to destroy Hamas. 
And what happens to Gaza after that? You know, even in terms of basic questions like who keeps the electricity on, who maintains order in the streets, who helps create opportunities for people to get food. I mean, the basics of life. And then longer term, who administers, who runs it? How can Gazans have their own sense of security? How can Israel have a sense of security from living next to Gaza, where a lot of people just attacked them? Um, So there are a whole bunch of interlocking questions that they're trying to start the discussions on. I I don't think they have answers yet, but they're trying to start the conversation. So I want to understand a little bit more what the state of things are right now. Hamas is an entity that I've heard a lot about over the last couple of months. And my understanding is that this is the government that is currently in charge of Gaza. But what is Hamas and and who is Hamas? Well, so Hamas governs Gaza, and they're also a militant group. But they're, you know, deeply integrated into Gaza society. They run everything. They administer security services, and part of those are militant brigades. But they also run the traffic police. They oversee the economy. They run the hospitals. They deal with water and electricity, infrastructure. I mean, it's everything that an ordinary government provides to its citizens. They'd been administering uh, Gaza since 2007, uh, so a very long time. They haven't had elections since 2006. And they are a much more aggressive group than uh, the Palestinian Authority, much more committed to the destruction of Israel as a state. They are designated as a terrorist organization uh, by the U.S. government, and the Israeli government has been very uh, suspicious and cautious about them for many years. But they were the people in charge of Gaza for a long time ahead of the attack. And then when it comes to the Palestinian Authority, tell me more about them and what their role is. So the Palestinian Authority is uh, the group that administers the West Bank. They were sort of set up as the governing entity of Palestinians and Palestinian territories in the 1990s as an outshoot of the peace process, the Oslo peace process, and the discussions that for a brief moment made it look as though Israel and Palestinians were on track to have two states. And at this point, it's really all the same people as from the early 1990s, uh, who who were a little younger then, who are very old now. The president, Mahmoud Abbas, turned 88 last month. He had a four-year term, but he wasn't very popular and uh, so decided not to hold elections back when his term ended, and he's been clinging to power ever since. They run out of a compound in Ramallah, the, the capital of the West Bank, They also theoretically provide the same kinds of services to Palestinian residents of the West Bank as Hamas does in Gaza, although Israel occupies the West Bank and and operates in the West Bank. They're Israeli settlers in the West Bank, unlike in Gaza. And Israeli, you know, Israeli military operates in the West Bank. So the Palestinian Authority has had to do a lot more of a delicate dance with Israeli authorities than Hamas has. Hey 
And would that be the case going forward if the Palestinian Authority were to be put in charge of Gaza? Would it be this guy, Bahmoud Abbas, who's been around for seemingly forever, or would that change? They want to make sure to extend respect to Abbas, and they're never going to call for him to go. But they are also talking about a revitalized Palestinian Authority. And what that means functionally is some fresh faces, uh, some reforms, efforts against corruption, things that would promote the kind of confidence from Palestinian residents that this is a group that can deliver the goods, keep them safe, provide them economic opportunities. And are they considered more moderate than Hamas? They are more moderate than Hamas. The Palestinian Authority right now, they they like they're kind of embedded in the in the peace process. Like they they acknowledge Israel's right to exist. And they actually work together with the Israeli government, um, partly to to administer security, to to do other things. They get funding from the Israeli government that sporadically gets cut off by the Israelis uh, when the Israelis say that the funding is going to uh, uh, for activities that they don't like or that they consider a security threat. So they have this very uneasy relationship with the Israelis, but in a lot of ways, they're also dependent on the Israelis. And that's part of why they're so unpopular among uh, ordinary Palestinians. And has that changed at all in the last couple of months? I mean, are is there a sense that Palestinians are sort of looking at Hamas, looking at the attack on October 7th and saying, well, I mean, that, that that was crazy, and that's resulted in, you know, such a, a, a an acute tragedy for Palestinians that, like, maybe we should be uh, considering the more moderate guys imperfect as they may be, or is it not that simple? In a lot of ways, I would say it's actually the opposite, hmm. which is that, you know, the, the Palestinian Authority and Abbas himself, these are the leaders a lot of Palestinians see as having led them down the path of irrelevance. Both the Trump administration and also the Biden administration had been working to help regularize, normalize relations between Israel and a lot of its Arab neighbors, uh, neighboring countries. And the Palestinian issue had kind of faded into irrelevance. Um, It's a you know, the plight of, of Palestinians was something that was really on the top of mind of the region for, for a long time, for decades, but more recently just hadn't been a, a, a big deal uh, outside of Palestinians themselves. So Hamas, in this tragic attack, has ultimately succeeded in bringing the Palestinian issue very much back to the center of uh, regional uh, dynamics. Hmm. And so I think that the residents of Gaza are not uh, happy to be uh, bombarded by Israel. Uh, But at the same time, more broadly, Hamas has succeeded through this attack in bringing the questions back. Interesting. And um, what's more, even in the situation since the attack, There was a pause to facilitate uh, uh, exchanges of Israeli hostages held by Hamas with Palestinian prisoners who had been in Israeli prisons. And Hamas was able to portray itself as a group that was succeeding in freeing Palestinian prisoners, uh, many of whom have been in Israeli prisons without you know, charges, uh, a lot of Palestinians feel it's very unfair uh, as part of the Israeli occupation. And by contrast, so they look at Hamas and see 
okay, well, these are the guys who are springing our, our kids and our families from prison. They look at the Palestinian Authority and they're like, well, what have you done for us lately? You, you have not helped us fight this uh, really big problem. After the break, Martine and Michael discuss why the United States cares so much about who controls Gaza. We'll be right back. So why is it that the U.S. thinks that the Palestinian Authority being in charge is the best path forward? So the Americans will say, we are faced with really unappetizing options. And they're not very enthusiastic about the Palestinian Authority, but basically they throw up their hands and say, name a better option. Mm -hmm. Like, who else is going to do it? There isn't anybody we can't accept, neither we, the United States, nor the Israelis can accept Hamas in any kind of form coming back into power in Gaza. There just isn't any other entity. There's no group uh, that exists to to administer uh, territories. So these are the people we have. Though I've heard the possibility being raised of potentially bringing in U.N. peacekeepers to Gaza or bringing in other Arab nations to um, help control or police um, Gaza going forward. Are are those not legitimate uh, options here? Those are also possibilities. But there are a couple questions. And, I mean, there are a couple of timing issues. So there's a question of who maintains security in Gaza in the moment the, the the bombs stop dropping and the guns stop firing. And is it somehow some form of Palestinian security force, which would be kind of linked potentially to the Palestinian Authority? Or is it a UN peacekeeping force? Or is it not the UN, but is it potentially Arab nations security forces getting in there? So that's the short-term question. Then the medium-term question is, all right, well, we have our transition phase, but who's going to operate the hospitals, you know, it's not going to be a UN peacekeeping force. Someone needs to be in there. Someone needs to just perform the functions of government. So who's going to do that? They don't want the Israelis to do it. They don't want the Israelis to occupy Gaza as they have done in the past. Uh, they need the, the Arab nations are not interested in getting in there and and essentially occupying Gaza themselves. Hmm. So it needs to be Palestinian and the question is, well, what Palestinian group is is going to do it. And they end up with these folks who are geriatric, but, um, you know, they don't have a lot of choices. And is that Israel's preference right now to have the Palestinian Authority, the fact that they have this, you know, relationship with the Palestinian Authority that's working in some way in the West Bank that they feel like is the best option for Gaza going forward? Israel is not deeply engaged in the question of what happens after they stop their war. And that's part of what the Americans are trying to push the Israelis to do. And, you know, they're not just pushing Israelis, but lots of different players here. The Israeli government right now, which is extremely far right, doesn't love the Palestinian Authority either. And in fact, a lot of the far-right characters uh, in the Israeli government say, what's the difference between Hamas and the Palestinian Authority, they accuse 
Abbas. They accuse uh, the Palestinian Authority of being involved in funding for terrorism, of trying to undermine the existence of Israel as a state. There's not a lot of trust. So they're not wild about the idea of the Palestinian Authority running Gaza. But I think they're more kind of like, well, this is not our problem. We want someone else to come up with the solution. They're not engaged very deeply right now. Hmm. And who ultimately makes this decision? Like, come the end of this war, is there going to be some big election where Palestinians in Gaza get to just decide which of these two entities or something else that they want to control the area going forward? Or is it something else? Like, how does that decision get made? Well, it's really messy. And part of the reason it's messy is because there is a more caution around elections on the part, at least not necessarily of the Palestinians, but uh, on the part of Israel and the United States and you know, to some extent um, Arab nations. But who? what happens if Hamas wins an election? Mm-hmm. They, in some ways, they're not necessarily less popular than they were before this attack. So um, there is the the question of, you know, uh, in the view of the U.S. And, and certainly Israelis, like, do we actually want Palestinians to decide for themselves who they want to lead? There is that complicated question. And actually, uh, the Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, was asked that very directly mm-hmm. at, at a press conference in Tel Aviv last week. Uh, do you want elections? When did you have the elections? And he kind of punted. He put that off a bit. He said, first, as a, as a matter of basic principle. Um, we support free and fair elections uh, around the world, including, of course, for uh, Palestinians. Um, They should have a right to choose uh, their own leaders, and the way to do it is through uh, free and fair elections. Um, Of course, we believe in free and fair elections. We believe in democracy around the world. Uh, Everybody should have the chance to elect their own leaders. I'm hearing and, a but. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if he actually said the word but. He, he avoided that. And mm-hmm. we want to create a situation in Gaza and the West Bank where they are addressing issues of governance, issues of open society, issues of a free media, uh, dealing with corruption. We've said, and indeed I had an opportunity to discuss today with President Abbas, um, the need for reform. Uh, the need to uh, to revitalize, to revamp the uh, the Palestinian Authority, so that it can most effectively meet the aspirations of the Palestinian people uh, and deliver for them. Uh, there are a number of things that uh, that go into that, including, for example, uh, reform so that it more effectively combats uh, corruption, uh, that it um, engages and empowers civil society, uh, that uh, it uh, supports uh, free press and open media and a number of other things. Essentially what he was saying is we would like to have a system in which Palestinians feel as though their leaders are paying attention to their needs, addressing their issues, feeling generally better about life, and then we can have some elections in which potentially not just the most extremist voices will win. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's caution around there uh, about elections in particular. But to go back to your original question of how do we figure out even who who gets to decide who's running Gaza when the war ends, in practice, it seems like it'll ultimately be the U.S. as a coordinator trying very much not to be the one to make the calls 
they don't want to be. They say it's not their place. They are aware of the historic resonance of uh, the U.S.-Israeli relationship and, and a lot of suspicion and distrust among both the Palestinians and Arab countries that support Palestinians. What they are hoping will come to pass is some sort of conversation among Palestinians, society, you know, uh, civil groups, the Palestinian Authority, Arab nations who support them, so Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Turkey to some extent. Qatar has been very involved in Gaza and in, has a complex relationship with Hamas, but, but all of these sort of broader groups who very much have a stake in what happens in Gaza and the West Bank and to the Palestinian people um, with the U.S. as kind of the broker, uh, but not the decider. How much do you think that Gazans right now are invested in this question of who is going to govern them going forward? That's a good question. And I think, um, you know, based on our conversations with people inside Gaza, the answer is, there is not a lot of bandwidth right now to think about these big, broad questions of, you know, who who runs Gaza. The The basic questions of, like, how do I ensure that my family is not in an Israeli airstrike today or tomorrow? Like, how can I find enough food and water for my family? Those are the immediate issues, and, and that is really fundamental right now. And I think even even after the war stops— the assumption, I think, among a lot of people there and, and, you know, some of the people involved in these discussions is, is like those immediate human needs are going to be first and foremost for some time. Only later will there be enough uh, ability to think about, you know, big sort of theoretical political questions. So if Gazans at this moment are not spending a lot of time thinking about whether Hamas or the Palestinian Authority is going to be in charge of Gaza going forward, then why does this question matter now? Or, or who are the people who are thinking about this question? I mean, this is an issue that's being pushed by the U.S. government and the Biden administration. Um, some of the Arab countries that surround Israel are also thinking about it. But part of the thinking on the U.S. side is we didn't have a plan when we invaded Iraq. Um, there was no good thinking about what comes after Saddam Hussein. We sort of had a plan in Afghanistan, but it wasn't a very developed one. So the U.S. has some hard-earned experience about going to war with countries, toppling governments, and not having a good thought about what comes afterward. And they're worried that the Israelis aren't deeply involved in you know, thinking about this process. And they, um, you know, want ultimately a kind of a sustained peace. So they, that's part of why they're so involved. And I think that a lot of the countries around Israel and around Gaza and the West Bank are also concerned. So that's kind of what's on their mind. Michael, thank you so much. Thank you. Michael Birnbaum covers the State Department and national security for The Post. He spoke with my colleague, Martine Powers. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks so much for listening. Today's show was produced by Jordan Marie Smith. It was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Rena Flores. Thanks to Andy DeGrandpre and Sabi Robinson. Before you go, I want to tell you about a new listening experience we've just launched today— 
Try This from The Washington Post is our first ever audio course. And if you love the episodes of Post Reports where we give you some news you can use, then you'll definitely appreciate Try This. The first course is about how to sleep better. Each class is short, sweet, and full of very doable advice. It's hosted by my colleague here at The Post, the delightful Christina Quinn. We all need a little boost taking on life challenges, so be sure to follow Try This on your podcast app. The first two classes, or episodes, in our sleep course are out now. I'm Allison Michaels. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Thank you.